conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash Girls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash Girls. Sign up today. I don't need a stool sample to call out your bullshit. I may be wild, but I am not crazy. (gasps) Oh, you guys. Now that is an actual. Mine was like, I pooped this week. (laughs) 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 Thank you. Thank you so much. I did actually, um, TMI, but maybe we'll get to reasons why it's not that TMI, um, did actually have to give a gift to a doctor's (laughs) office. And I literally was like, I'm so sorry. I'm going to decline that opportunity. Thank you so much. Like, I appreciate that you want to get closer and maybe like intimate, but I'm good. And they were like, no, you have to do it. And I was like, okay, cool. You guys, (laughs) it's Andy's girls. (laughs) (laughs) And I am so excited to be joined by none other than writer, producer, BravoCon BFF, Tracy Morrissey. Tracy, how are you? I am so good. I'm so glad to be here. So we connected. I essentially read your epic, now viral New York Times piece on the Real Housewives and Race, which everyone, it's like we all read it at the same time and everyone started losing their minds. And so I reached out to you to be like, come on, AG. I said, what franchise? Because it's with guests that I've never recorded with before. Some of them watch like a couple specific franchises. So I try to time it along with when their beloved franchise airs. And I said, you know, what franchises do you watch? And he said, all of them. And I was like, sign, seal, deliver. Religiously. Religiously. And then we were at the Moxie event the night before Kelly Dodd's quasi engagement party <laughs> engagement party which I was not expecting um and pet shop boy was like hey do you know my friend Tracy and I said no nice to meet you or something and somebody said your last name and I was like oh my god you are actually coming on the show <laughs> yeah I was like <laughs> oh we, we pivoted to email <laughs> yes we did pivot to email we slid out of each other's dms and into long form communication yeah, yeah. so kudos <laughs> to us my god so first off you are wearing I wasn't expecting it, but I couldn't be more thrilled. Can you tell the, we're going to take a, a selfie after. Can you tell the listeners the couture 
<laughs> that you are couture. the Alexis Couture I'm, with sleeves, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Sleeve recommended. It's a um, full <laughs> full graphic uh, sweatshirt of Vicky Gumvelson's face screaming, "I am not a con woman." Uh, during a reunion and it has beautiful shades of purple and pink and peach and it's actually a it's like genuinely a beautiful (laughs) it's a nice color wheel it's hard to it's like (laughs) it's like a very romantic almost like I could see Monet having like an off day and being like (laughs) let me watch season 12 of Orange County and this is his water lily experience and I am so appreciative for it it's I can't stop staring at her nose I don't know which one this is it looks great it's just dead center as a nose typically is on a face when it is blown up onto it yeah the eyes are on my boobs I have a I have a good story about this tell me I went to watch what happens live a couple years ago and um, I was just waiting in the lobby for my friend Katie, Katie Weaver from the New York Times. Oh, um, I'm obsessed with Katie Weaver. We were, I was waiting for her and we were there for like, there was some kind of like housewives awards and we sort okay. of like elbowed our, elbowed our way into getting, you know. Oh yeah. I audience. remember, I remember when this, it was like the RH award. What was it called? I don't remember. I don't but know. But I remember they, the they episode. Good guests. That, yeah. That night. And so. Um, John Medesian came with a, an entourage. So I get Dorinda must have been there. And I know Ramona was there. And um, so uh, this guy came up to me and he was with John Medesian, just like same energy, mm-hmm. um, same kind of look, same kind of vibe. And he came up to me and he was like, you have beautiful eyes. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you. And then he pointed because <laughs> I was wearing this sweatshirt. And then he pointed to my tits and he was talking about Vicky's eyes on my boobs. And I was like, OK, thank you. And then <laughs> it's a different kind of compliment. He goes, he goes, what's the best sporting goods store in Manhattan? And I was like, I don't know. Uh, oh, no. Paragon? No. And then he goes, uh, no, it's, it's Models. Oh. And then he handed me a $30 gift certificate oh, to Models. He was Mr. Model. Wait, I thought you were going to say dicks. I thought that was what the oh, lead up was no, going to no, be. No. Oh, but Mr. Still, Modell. I Michael Modell. Answer. Mitchell. Mitchell. Mitchell Modell. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> the rumor was that, because I talked to uh, my friend, he was a producer there at the time at, at, um, uh, at Watch What Happens Live. Um, I he, Apparently, he had been kind of dating Ramona. But, you know, Ramona goes on a date. You know, like, or she'll go on like two dates. Like and it's she dates all with, like, around people that like invented rum or something. It's all with like <laughs> these random people where you don't realize that there's a person behind that. Mr. Modell, I still have that gift certificate. I tried to use it to buy sneakers, <laughs> but I didn't like any of the sneakers they had. Was how old was he? I would think he was older, sixties maybe. Si- probably like sixties. Yeah, late late fifties, uh, early sixties. Was maybe? he cute? No. Interesting. No. If you were, I would have been. <laughs> I would have gone on a date with him. Slide into my DMs. <laughs> yeah. Let's pivot. Let's yeah. pivot to the Regency. I'd love to go out on some Model money. Holy shit. Well, I have to. So how often do you wear this sweatshirt? Not a lot. Um, it really? Special, <laughs> special occasions. But I used to wear it to work all the time. And at Jezebel? I, um, no, at Vice. Okay. And that, that's how I made a lot of friends. Because Vice was a very big building. Um, in Brooklyn. Yes. Yeah, there was like, it was beautiful. Two, the, and is, there's two different buildings. So there's so many people at the, in, during the heyday before everyone got laid off. And um, yeah. there were like in that one building, there's probably mm-hmm. a thousand people or more mm-hmm. at a given time. Mm-hmm. And I made a lot of friends mm-hmm. because people would come up to me and be like, oh, my God, I love your shirt. And then it was like this kind of like connections and they watched Bravo and then they they knew. 
I have to say any kind of Bravo related merch, um, BCC Andy's Girls merch available on Public. But I really truly think that any kind of Bravo merch is such a conversation starter and immediate bond. Like, you know, you look at that person, like looking at you wearing Vicky Gumbelson's face blown up and you know that this is like a safe space. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, I know I can go up to you and I'm your sister and you're whatever, like, and scream at you. And like, we're both going to get it and both going to laugh. A little family van. It is a little, <laughs> we are in a little family van here on the People's People's Couch. And I so appreciate it. So Tracy Morrissey, founding editor at Jezebel, NBD, no big deal. <laughs> I rewatched um, a, a sizzle reel that from a couple years, I was just go- kind of going through the best of Tracy and loving every second of it. And there was like a, is it, what a, is the sizzle reel the wrong? What uh, it, is it? It was the cuts of housewives trying to Super. cry through their Botox. Super cut. Super cut. Yeah. Epic. Thank you. So good. I, I should have I should have like continued that as a project and still but I had like synced it to a song, but there have been so many more good cries. Cause I was like that was quite a long time ago now. But um yeah, that like the one that ga- like the reason why I did it was because of Gretchen. Gretchen. I was just about the Gretchen, <laughs> the Gretchen trying to will her body because it's not even just that it's like through Botox. It's she's trying to force herself to release tears and it's not working. And the effort, like my God, <laughs> like not to compare it to the stool sample, the uh, effort <laughs> that it took for her body to release. <laughs> It's like unparalleled and it's and it's because she knows and we all know that that proposal was completely manufactured and the women all point blank being like this is again not to say bullshit and her trying to be like I can't believe you feel that way but like we all know we all know that this is like completely fake absolutely one of the best reunion moments of all time honestly they're still not married they're still not married they can't get married I I believe that they love each other obviously now that they have that kid kudos um but they can't get married because then she would take on his child I don't know the phrase to use like debt various medical debt relating to his son is it Grayson the one who's who's unfortunately terribly terribly ill pretty disgusting in my opinion like like they could get married if Slade got a freaking job and he could take care of his medical bills and he could you know work those there's all kinds of like different debt consolidation things that you can do and um he just hasn't taken care of it like I'm I am sure it is in the millions at this point if not several hundred thousands because of the like unrelated to the child support payments and like alimony or whatever else just the actual medical debt itself has to be unfortunately uh, terribly you know in in the worst way but like all related to the medical care I think his son needs like round the clock care it's very very sad yeah but I think that then that's all falling on the shoulders of his son's mother yeah so like he's still you know living in like Gretchen's house that her dying fiance (laughs) bought her rest in peace Jeff yeah um and he's like his lifestyle isn't like they they spend an awful lot of I watch a lot of her insta stories she she does insta stories all day long and you can her filters make me sad. In. It's too much. That's a real sign of like body dysmorphia. 
like that you can't eat like I feel like mm. she puts the filter on because she can't look at herself without a filter on oh my you god you know because like she's ha- has the front facing camera which isn't always the kindest camera because it does distort your nose a little bit wait you mean the front face saying I'm super smart like selfie style yes yeah, oh, okay so gotta, she's gotta, looking gotta. at herself all the time which you think she likes to do but like she, she just doesn't like doing it in that lens and so she's putting on the and, and she facetunes the baby too which is that's the weirdest thing because babies are just you know they're babies yeah and they have perfect skin I don't understand Facetune. I'm not a tech person, but I don't. It looks like someone is like erasing you with a pencil eraser. It, yeah. You just look fuzzy. fuzzy. I don't. I don't get it. I die for the Paris filter on IG stories. Use that all fucking day long. But some of this stuff, it's just. I don't. I don't understand. Why don't you want to look like a person? It just. It. You look yeah. like a strange reality doll I don't know and but and also it's like uh it's a little bit of a of a telltale sign that like she's not really up on the best apps yeah because there are apps that are better where you can actually just like change the aspect of yourself that you don't like without like having bare ears right So what was your, during your illustrious career at Jezebel and beyond, what has been your favorite article or piece that you've written about all things Housewives or Bravo? Oh, Housewives or Bravo? I mean, maybe that super cut that I did of the Housewives crying. Yeah, you guys all have to see that. It's unbelievable. Um, But early on, I I was trying to think, like, what was the first time I ever even covered Housewives? Because I've been watching Housewives since it first aired, was first run, like, OC mm. while it was on mm-hmm. um because I've always been a reality tv junkie mm-hmm. and um so I've been watching it forever I was really obsessed with Lori and her mm. whole son's drama which is ongoing P.S. I know someone tried to kill him he tried and, to, he, and he's he, in jail for attempted murder oh and someone tried some, to kill him in, in jail. jail yes and so God, um story is so sad yeah still going so like I was always really into that um but I remember covering like I, I remember doing something about like uncovering Slade's like the uh, the amount of money he owed in child support. Wow! And then getting then he like there he there he was like arrested or there was a warrant out for his arrest and yeah. then it was revealed during that time that they, that he was found at Gretchen's house and but that was before the the season started airing where you knew that they were together. So I was like, why was he at Gretchen's house? That's really weird. Mm-hmm. And then when the season came out, it was like, oh, they're dating. Um, but then I did one story, um, maybe after the first season of Atlanta. And when I realized that four out of the five of them, um, had filed for bankruptcy. Yes. <laughs> and so, cause like I used to have access to LexisNexis, like when you work at a media company or whatever, and you can look up everyone's like bankruptcy, oh my uh, God, records. you know, yeah. And so, and, or like any kind of financial liens or tax liens and, um, that was the first time where I was like, oh, like maybe these people aren't all rich on these shows. Wow. They're all just pretending to be rich. Because that was pretty early on. That was before New Jersey. And then they had their set of bankruptcies mm. and stuff. And, you know, crimes and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your favorite franchise to watch? New York. Really? Yeah. New York, I feel like, has the best seasons. I just like those women. I think they're really sharp and funny. Yeah. Um, And I just... Like as a New Yorker, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's a touchstone. It's a diff, and it's they're a different vibe than California. They would never be able to really like. Maybe they'd be able to go out to dinner and stuff, but I just don't think that like 
Shannon, Bedore, or friggin' uh, like Emily or Gina, even though Gina's from Long Island, um, I don't think that they would be able to like sit and and have a fight with a drunk Dorinda yeah and like and be able to like come out they would certainly never be able to like take a beating a verbal beating from Bethany you cannot in any way be incredibly emotionally fragile and survive on New York unless you're okay wearing that as essentially your plot like you cannot survive there long term and I think Kelly gets a lot of criticism for and a lot of it is completely deserved for how she behaves but a lot of when she acts out is like instinctive and primal to her it's not necessarily I don't think this is a surprise to anyone it's not necessarily intelligent or smart and I feel like the New York cast you have to be quick and the wit is like laser sharp it's not just like puns and like smacking somebody with a mallet you know what I'm saying like it's I guess one could say that is humorous in some way (laughs) but it's certainly not as activated as it is Atlanta Atlanta and New York yeah I think they're the sharpest at like the sharpest tools in the shed yeah uh and the she shed No, you're totally right. Yeah. So I love, I mean, and I love Atlanta, but New York, but, and I've always really liked New Jersey. I mean, I love them all, honestly, but New York is, is special for me. Um, I look forward to Jersey a lot. I think mm-hmm. that Jersey is, Jersey probably, Jersey and OC have always had the best reunions. I don't think that New York's reunions are as good as the seasons, um, but a lot of times like New Jersey or OC will have reunions that are better than the seasons. Why do you think that is in Jersey? I think because maybe I, I think it has a lot to do with like Teresa's avoidance of like, even though mm-hmm. she's somebody who would get up off the couch and like throw Andy or whatever, mm-hmm. I think she does avoid confrontation mm-hmm. in a way. And she does like to brush things under the rug. And then when they're, you know, they're on those couches and mm-hmm. like people are calling her out to her face. Um, it's a different story than when they're just doing it in, you know, the interview segments and and they're not really doing it a lot. Like people haven't been fighting with Teresa that much in the act- through the season. How have you felt about this season of Jersey so far? I've been loving it. I think they finally got casting right. Yeah, they did, right? Yeah, they really were struggling for a long time of mm-hmm. like when they when we had those twins on, yeah. they weren't right. It wasn't great. Marquesi is not great. Ugh, yeah. Oh, God, those two are awful. The worst monsters, people. Actual disgusting monsters. Disgusting people. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, they were really struggling. And, and I think that when it was all of the family members, it mm-hmm. was just too dark because the, the drama was just too real. And it was like an actual family falling apart in front of your face. And then when they took Kathy out of the equation, things got a little lighter because it was just Teresa and her brother. And then, you know, Teresa's, you know, uh, apparently she's fighting with Melissa again. But like, it's not as bad as before. It's not as dark as it was before. Do you believe that Melissa, I was rewatching um, some Bravo or actually just watching because I hadn't attended this panel Gibson Johns moderating Tree and Dolores like cooking and talking oh, I wish I'd gone to that it looked re- the videos of it looked really good but Tree was talking about the fact that she genuinely no one told her that her brother and sister-in-law joined and that on her on Joe Judice Judice Judice's side production had 
reached out to his brother and sister-in-law and they said no because they didn't want anything to come between their family. Do you believe, Tree, that truly Joe and Melissa signed up to do the show behind her back? Yes, I think so. I do believe that. And just, and also because she's still freaking harping about it. How yeah. many years has it been? She will not let that go. She won't let it go. And it's so fascinating to me that she feels like, and, you know, the other parts of our family on my husband's side would never think to do that because they'd be going against me, essentially. But I think of it as you got this amazing opportunity. Why not share it with family? You know, like there is your you've gotten this gift, not only the check, but the access and the potential. It doesn't necessarily have to be the demise of your family. Obviously, there was friction they were going through that we then saw on the show, you know, the um, baptism, everything else, all the crazy shit that went down. Obviously, they had not been BFFs before filming started, but it's just the way her narrative in her head, even if in, in many ways she might be correct, it's just so fascinating to me that she looks at it as them coming at her and not kind of opening the doors to both sides. Does that make any sense? Yeah, of course. I mean, she, uh, you know, she, I, I don't think that um, she is, I don't want to say she's not the most generous person, but like. She's not the most generous I, person. Yeah, she's not. So it's like, and, and I'm sure she's a very good mother to her four beautiful daughters but I think that uh she it was probably in like serious competition with Melissa Mm -hmm. there's Melissa who's like younger and also like not for nothing I'm sure Melissa was really grading to her and was like you know she Melissa maybe played up aspects probably because she was sick of being treated sure poorly and so there was just probably a lot of like animosity between them and a lot of tension yeah and then that's just something that you don't want to bring on television yeah um like as like family members because that's like those are really real relationships that like you know would hurt their parents and stuff but yeah I I believe her but also it's like let it go let it go already. And yeah, like let your brother and his and his wife like make some money. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that she I'm not even sure that even at that time she was thinking about the housewives as a business opportunity. Like she was just thinking so of it's like it, season three, right? Season yeah. three or four. Yeah. I, I think she was just thinking about it as like this is my chance to shine. And it wasn't, I mean, and that's like speaks to like her like total, like putting her head in the sand about like finances and like. Yeah. And attention is a commodity. I mean, there's, there is value here that is inherently like a financial incentive when you think down the road, but just for her, her gut instinct is like, this is my show. You are coming on my show. Like, why are you coming on my show? Yeah. I mean, like, I'm trying to think of, like, if I can put myself in her shoes in a situation like that. I mean, I think I would be pissed, though, if someone, someone I, from my I, a thousand percent family would be pissed. signed up for something and didn't tell me. I'd be really angry. But and then I would just, like, let it go yeah. after a while. I wouldn't, like, harp on it. I wouldn't, like, I would just, you know. I don't know. This I'm just kind of thinking about this out loud. Is there a comparison to be made between how Teresa treats relationships on Jersey and Nene on Atlanta. Oh, absolutely. They come to it with a certain level of defensiveness and inability to empathize. And yet they fully believe that everyone should do the same for them. And if you're not, if you're trying to have a conversation, they take it as a potential attack. 
um, there's a level of accountability that is missing. My sister is a clinical psychologist. And so we talk a lot when we talk about housewives, she diagnoses them. Oh my God. I love this. Tell me (laughs) everything. And so she specifically said before that, like, that's a sign of borderline personality disorder is like, um, like exalting a person and then I forget what the actual term was that she used but it's like you know you like this person is the greatest and then they fall really quickly and they're like the worst and then there's like this sort of like persecution complex yeah and I mean she would be but you should have her on and to talk about that kind of stuff um I'd be interested in the difference between borderline personality disorder and just like straight up narcissism um yeah I don't think that Teresa has borderline personality I would think she's probably classic narcissist right but Nini um really yeah seems like borderline although a lot of borderline is like I mean even just like the the that fight in the in her closet was like this this way of of putting herself in danger like she basically was like risking her that's risky behavior of like risking her entire career and like busting what did she bust his tooth allegedly she pulled at or broke at least one or two teeth from a producer and then laughed it off essentially in the reunion I could not believe it she got away with it but she did I mean well she got she basically was like like uh they treated her like an NFL player right like she was like had to sit out the first three episodes I mean I guess that's what happens in the NFL when you do something bad they like make you sit a few games out someone text croy he's available he can answer any question he's not doing anything um so question for you slash your sister what kind of diagnosis did she give if any to the crypt keeper of franklin lakes daniel staub is that just pure straight up evil um no i think she also said borderline um but you know what i should i wish i had um got her to make a list for me before I came here oh my god the next time you're everybody. coming on which will be like tomorrow I need to get a full because <laughs> that I'm actually really curious about that and it's an interesting when I think about you know I'm watching the housewives and I'm doing it as a fan obviously for the pod I as I've said before in episodes like I usually watch I watch each episode at least twice the first time for myself and often I'll give it 30 percent attention and then the second time I watch it like pretty carefully because of the pod um but I would be curious to hear how someone like your sister watches it because you cannot help but look at these women who are in many ways more dramatized versions of themselves but figuring out how all of these like psychological diagnoses play because they're sort of playing a version of themselves that's heightened but it is still real does that make yeah yeah absolutely well I think that to go on a reality show that that's that popular yeah and to be like authentic in that way you have to have some sort of personality disorder completely I would never be able to do it I would never be able to open myself up to that kind of criticism I wouldn't be able to like let someone else like control my narrative and tell my story and edit me in a certain way um I think that like so it's people who like, you know, aren't very self-aware. I mean, the best case scenario of a housewife is that they're not self-aware. Mm-hmm. When they're self-aware, then they just aren't good as a housewife, like yeah. Erica Jane. So, um, but yeah, I think whenever my sister does anything, she's like secretly diagnosing the person in her head. So 
you know, I rewatched this week of Jersey and I thought to myself, and I felt this watching the last couple episodes, my God, Jennifer Aiden was born to do this, A, and for whatever reason, you know, last season she annoyed the fuck out of me and now I'm like, I feel like she's enjoying the ride. She doesn't need to prove herself anymore. She doesn't need to talk about the square footage of her mega mansion that's next to a highway. Like, she doesn't need to go through all of that, prove herself, prove her new money richness. Now, and, you know, she and her husband have decided to use Gretchen's filter on top of their marriage and relationship where it's like <laughs> all of these like funny scenes where he's laughing and he's like, ha ha, you're funny. Ha ha ha. Like, cause they don't want to show a single little bit of anything, which is fine because she can compensate for that in being a shitster, which I appreciate about her. But it seems like she just for me personally is more enjoyable to watch. And then I'm watching Jackie and I don't know what's happening, but it feels like she's, on the same ride that Jen is, but she's taken a little bit of a turn. She's like victimized herself to an extent. It's like aggressive victimization. And I don't know what bucket to put it in. I feel like I should be on her side, but the way that she's going about her behavior on camera, I'm like, this just feels like too much to me. Does that make sense? I keep saying, does that make drinking game? Anytime yeah. I say, does that make sense? It makes week? completely sense. It Take a shot of Fabellini. Um, she, uh, well, she, you know, is, has been like open about her eating disorder and being in recovery. And so mm-hmm. for people who have eating disorders, it's like, yeah, a lot of it is about like, you know, your body issues, but a lot of it is about like control. Mm-hmm. And it's like the only thing you can control mm-hmm. in like an otherwise chaotic situation. And so um, she seems like she's a big control freak. And for someone who's a control freak, I would think that being on a show like that where you aren't really sure how you're going to come across later. You have no control. You're trying to drive the train. And so she's like kind of like trying to like, you know, like drive it home that like you cyber bullied me and like keep bringing it up and like keep mentioning it and like making sure that that's like part of the story. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it's not going to be as fun for her, probably because she's a little bit smarter and it like uh, is more self-aware. Again, makes a terrible housewife to be self-aware. Mm-hmm. And so she is, you know, she's not. Oh, yeah. She's not going to have as much fun with that. Interestingly, I saw on I don't know some some like Bravo or Housewives Instagram account um that she had tweeted right something about Jennifer yeah that which wasn't great this week she said something along I'm completely paraphrasing um but I posted about it and was like this is not great um she said something along the lines of like you wouldn't need to have lipo once a week if you ate better Mm -hmm. you know like if you weren't overeating which was so unbelievably unnecessary and cyberbullying cruel and yeah that is a better version of cyberbullying than anything that she has said accepting the video that Jennifer put on trees um IG I I think that that I understood She's an actual Twitter troll right but that was like a genuine Twitter moment if it was Twitter or IG and then she responded back after she got a flood of people being like what the fuck are you doing and said I spoke too soon I spoke out of hand I'm sorry happy Thanksgiving and it's like cool except that was really shitty and for some reason you 
are protective of your history and being so public about having disordered eating, which I completely understand and empathize with, but then you use that as a tool of cruelty against someone else. Yeah, I and thought you, that was really, really nasty to right. do as someone who had an eating disorder. Yeah. Like, just don't. And it's playing into the idea that thinness is the most important thing. So for someone who is in recovery from anorexia to essentially say to someone else, like it's like a fat shaming kind of thing, which she should just be unbelievably sensitive to any of that. And it just felt so unbelievably reactive. And yeah, I think I probably put Jackie on a slightly higher pedestal because I do think she has the capacity that some of these other women don't have. And it was just such a deep, ugly blow that I'm like, fuck you. Like that is just shitty, but she acknowledged it. I mean, what more can we ask for? It's just, it sounded like something that Teresa would say, but she would use incorrect grammar. Yeah. No, she did. I mean, um, you have three roles, blubber, blubber, mm-hmm. and blubber. She did that to Caroline and, and people to called Lauren her aunt Lauren Manzo, where she's like, you're going to gain all that weight back. It's yeah. like, which she did. She did. <laughs> I mean, listen, I don't want to go anywhere near that stuff, but like, I think, you know, we both think that Lauren looks great. Like yeah, she, I mean, she, well, she had a kid. Yeah. Um, but also I do think that like she did, she, I never thought that Lauren was that overweight that she needed right. to have that surgery like she was like a normal person and Lauren said in interviews she's like I'm working out like several hours a day and I got nervous for her because it seemed like and I've experienced that in my life with disordered eating where it's like you get into like over exercise compulsion and it is a different form of binging it's like I mean purging sorry yeah you're purging I'm thinking in my calories yeah yeah yeah. but also binging in the sense of like you're doing too much yeah you know what I'm saying where it's like same behaviors right it is the same behavior and the same kind of instinct and that makes me slightly nervous but also it was just such a deep I just thought to myself when Tree said that I was like first off you're attacking a kid like let's not start that I don't care if they're an adult child or not that is a child and you do not go anywhere into that dynamic and you're just doing it to be a dick yeah like it was such a when she said that to Caroline I was like it's because you're not fucking smart enough to actually come at her that you have to go for the most superficial low-hanging fruit it was so low-hanging fruit but then I'm also watching stuff like scenes that tree is in where she's giving her confessionals and it feels like so staged to me that she's not actually coming up with this stuff okay I have a little bit of tea about that oh tell me everything okay, spill so, the tea spill um, the tea on the people's <laughs> there is a woman I don't even I'm I probably am not even allowed to say this oh great um so there's this woman whose name is Lucella who I have never met but I was supposed to get drinks with her but right but then I got laid off from Vice. But she was the showrunner of Jersey for a long time. And she was good friends with my boss. And so my boss would get, tell me all this stuff. And so um, they had worked on other projects before, producing-wise. And so um, Lucella um, came from this same sort of like Italian background. Her father was mob-associated. He'd been in and out of prison her whole oh, life I love this. and so she had this background and that's why she connected so well with these women mm-hmm. and she said um that the nicest person out of all of them in jersey was Teresa, which is crazy and that not caroline manzo you think or maybe caroline manzo is like a little cold yeah you know because she's, she's probably not as like warm. a little kenya where it's like i respect that they understand it's a business but she might that's interesting yeah. okay and then she said that everything that Teresa says are just things that Lucella's mother used to say 
So she would just give feed her lines. Like I remember at the producers panel at BravoCon, and right. they said that like, oh, we don't script it. Like, yeah, you don't script the scenes, but they're not all saying that shit. Like well, they're, they're not all yeah. they're not all some of those things are a little bit too witty. I would say, I say probably a lot of them are saying very real stuff. Mm-hmm. I can tell when people like I can tell when Ramona is reciting a line. Mm-hmm. She does, isn't good at delivering them. Mm-hmm. But um, Teresa. Yeah. Like so apparently a lot of like those um, like Italian sayings and things like that are like not they're not coming from Teresa. They're like being written for her by this producer and like with the producer thinking of her mother in her mind. And this is all hearsay, by the way, I heard this from someone who was told that. (laughs) And so it's dead fact. Yes. Um, (laughs) As a reporter. (laughs) Um, So does that mean just so I can process this, is that coaching during her confessionals or during a scene the confessionals yeah okay so I think that they're confessionals and then I heard I don't even remember where I heard this love this but that the 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 beef with Aviva and Carol yeah um in New York writer gate yes writer writer, girl writer girl um that when um Aviva um accused Carol of having a ghostwriter that she was actually really referring to Carol's confessionals and that um, they couldn't really say that because it'd be like breaking the fourth wall and like the snake eating its own tail. So they turned it into like, oh, she meant about her book. But like really, because the the fight started, Carol asked her if she was going to get a ghostwriter, which was kind of like a shitty thing to ask someone on yeah. camera. But like, obviously, yeah, she was going to get a ghostwriter. Yeah. But um, although she she did go to law school and you do have to know how to read and write to do that. So I don't know. Um, uh, Aviva was a lawyer. Oh, right, right, right. I was like, Carol? So, what? no. But, um, but, uh, yeah, so then the, the, what, the story that I'd heard, and I don't even remember where I heard this from, but it, it sounded right to me, was that, because Carol did have a lot of really good blogs. Yeah. And, and, but in her confessionals, yeah. she would have like, you know, oh, I heard, uh, two male voices. One of them was Luann. Like, you know, shit Which like was that. such a good line. Somebody said oh that, like, God, she had this, line. like, funny gay kid helping her write right. stuff. And I don't, I have no idea if that's true. But that was apparently, like, what that argument was really about. Because Aviva was basically like, well, how dare you, like, insinuate I'm going to have a ghostwriter when we all know that you don't come up with your own, like, confessional shit. So that is super interesting. And I believe it but also i did hear that she had a ghostwriter uh, on her book yeah okay maybe then it's all around maybe she's just totally you know the thing is is that the one thing that made me think that carol was a real writer was that it took her so long a month to write a 500 word for glamour or whatever yeah for, or cosmo or whatever oh it was. yeah it was cosmo and because like that's that's me like <laughs> I'm like, oh, I have to do this thing. And it takes me forever. And then I'll then I'll eventually punch it out. But like nobody who actually is a writer enjoys the act of writing. So like I can see her just like always putting it off because she doesn't want to do it. Whereas like, you know, somebody who is having a ghostwriter is like, yeah. I love the process of doing this. Because you're just talking. They're not fucking doing They're it. They're going to coffee and yes. getting it recorded. Yes. I believe that she wrote the book. I believe that she she certainly had help, but that would make sense for someone who's a first time writer. Like put taking out the fact that she's had her illustrious career as a journalist, truly, at ABC and beyond. But I, I but would she was pl- broadcast. Let's be real. Yeah, that's Let's true. Let's be clear about no, that. No, that's true. You don't have to actually write write stuff. I mean you do have to do paper edits. Yeah, and she needs to know how to 
create a narrative. She needs yes. to know how to like create a story. But Absolutely. I believe that she had help. And I also believe that it's not a big deal. I just think that because she had branded herself as a journalist, it was like, quote unquote, phenomenal insult. And I think there's something there because Aviva wasn't telling her you had a little help. Aviva, as you said, Aviva was being purposefully shady. I mean, I yeah. look at that moment and I think a little bit about Deandra and Leanne on Dallas because there is a craft here to trying to fuck someone over. Yeah. And sometimes you do it well and sometimes you don't. But rewatching this, you know, Dallas wasn't new this week, but last week's Dallas. With the dress. With the dress, but also remembering because Leanne brought it up the, you know, like you tried to shame me once before by insinuating that Rich wasn't um, faithful and like that isn't enough. You are doing this other thing. And Deandra has this response of it was funny. It was supposed to be a joke. But you know in your head that you're regardless, like let's devil's advocate and saying she was just doing this to be funny. And oh, by the way, it's broken. It doesn't work. And I'm going to say that 30 times. You know that you're doing this on camera. And that adds a layer of shadiness. And P.S. I am so appreciative for these women being shady. but But you can't say that there wasn't an ulterior motive And that buries you because when the other person is raising the direct fact that you have done this before and you're doing it on camera for a reason, there's like nowhere else for you to hide. Yeah. When, when it would have been, it would have been funny if she just came to dinner with it on and not said anything else. Yes. Not been like, we had a wardrobe malfunction. Then just like kept saying it and saying it like it would have like, it would have been a funny joke if she just came down and like wore it. And then it, it, you know, it, it wouldn't have been like, I'm trying to like ruin your business by saying your outfit's don't your dress is I completely agree and P.S. this scene when they're in the fucking hotel room do I wonder how long they filmed her getting ready because you could tell with the glint in their eyes that Carrie and Deandra were both thinking I'm gonna talk a whole lot about how shitty this product is and then I'm gonna go down to dinner and tell everybody else and Leanne called that out when she was talking to Stephanie when when they didn't have the lights on for right, the cameras right, they were right. in there, she was like kind of had walked away and she was like, magic. she's like, I can, she's like, and I can imagine what they did in that room. Like she knew, like she knew instantly when they came down and then they were saying that shit that they were creating a scene upstairs and then that hurt her feelings. And like, of course, yeah, you don't like start saying racist shit, but like, you're, you know, which she had been PSing earlier in the day. It yeah. wasn't like the first time. Yeah. yeah it doesn't excuse any of her right. behavior, but like, Um, I can see, I totally see how that's like a total betrayal. It completely is. And I feel like in that moment, Leanne became her worst enemy where you are being given the opportunity to actually be the victim in this situation and you cannot help yourself, but be completely self-destructive. And, you know, I interviewed Deandra when she was in this city last week. I interviewed her on Tuesday. Oh my God, I want to talk about that. I interviewed her on Tuesday, (laughs) the episode, and she kept referring to something that she was like, and on this week, you're going to, and we're in a room one-on-one. She's like, and this week you're going to see, I tried to make an attempt at humor. And I had seen, we'd all seen the teaser where she was in the dress, but I truly did not know if she was referencing that or something else. And I remember in my head, because she had said it so many times, I flagged it and was like, what the fuck is about to happen? And then I watched the episode and I was thinking to myself, sweet Jesus, if only I had talked to her 10 minutes after or even seeing half of what happened, um, because I would have had the benefit of 
understanding what she was referring to, which would have informed some follow-up questions that I would have had. I think it's great to have a performing arts background and it's wonderful that she's been an actor since she was four. I mean, I started performing at my (laughs) Jewish community center in eight. So she had a head start on me, but how that features into me being a dick. I own that. I'm not playing a part or performing if, and like I'm one of those personalities where there are people that are very good at being passive aggressive. I have done it maybe four or five times. It has always been a failure. (laughs) (laughs) I usually speak without thinking and that's like part of my brand, but I cannot be that. It's like very obvious. I also cannot lie to someone. It's I have tells. It's really unpleasant for both of us. I just have to be honest (laughs) with you. Otherwise, it's just like a waste of time. But it was it. It does, Deandra, no benefit to pretend that she was doing this as a gift to Leanne. And it was such a gift that she had to use a pseudonym to place the order. That's like so just dirty. I mean, first of all, on the interview you did with her, I was like dying. You could have played a drinking game for every time she said comedy. And she, yeah, I got so, <laughs> she said it so much. She said she it like, so much. She said comedy. She, she just stopped short. She started saying routine. She was like comedy. And then she yeah. didn't go, but mm-hmm. she meant it. Like yeah. it, that was her comedy routine. I'm yeah. curious. Has she done stand up? Is that a thing? I think she was relating general performance and being an actress with comedy. Because she and was go- talking about, like, it's her job. Like, going to St- Stella Adler does not make you Amy Schumer. You know what I'm saying? Even though Amy Schumer herself actually went to theater school, so that's sort of a bad comparison. But you do not do stand-up because you are in acting class. And I, I graduated from school from a musical theater performance program. But I don't, I'm not a comedian. Like, I yeah. don't do stand-up. I don't do any of that. I mean, obviously, I'm hilarious, I but would. that's unrelated. Like, it's, <laughs> it's so, so being on a stage at whatever age does not give you the gift of comedy, which was apparent to anybody watching this week. Yeah, but she doesn't think, she, she does not think that. She thinks that she is, it, it's clear to me from yeah. the way she was speaking on Andy's Girls that she was, that she's a, thinks she's a comedian. And that she is, uh, you know, I, I mean, there's nothing worse than like when someone is like, and I've been guilty of this, is someone who like makes jokes that no one likes. Yeah. <laughs> That's, and how do you walk it back? It's just mean. And so like, even if you personally think it's funny, if no one else thinks it's funny, then it wasn't funny. And also there's evidence of you saying, I'm not doing this to be funny. Look at what, it's just the straight behavior that she's exhibiting. And P.S., that interview was one of the most open, honest interviews that I've had with a housewife on the show. I felt like she was really honest and forthcoming about production yes. and about um how much do you think she actually contacted them last year that they must have said something to her like listen if you keep doing this we can't work with you because she that was like a weird crystallized moment for her where she was like and and so now I have only contacted production twice about being you know upset yeah I think and I would guess that Leanne has done the same amount you know it was it was eye-opening yeah. to me, and she couldn't have been, like, nicer and totally. um, yeah, so nice so and so agreeable and, you know, so willing to give so much time. We recorded for over an hour. Um, 
but I also felt like, oh my God, she's now trying to create this platform, which I get. She's like building her her defense, except we have the evidence, which is while it's airing and also aligning yourself with Carrie who obviously hates Leanne and has a vested interest in burying her. And yeah. the vested interest may just be genuine hatred. These women hate each other. So then to say that you're doing this to be funny with no other reason and your partner in crime is Carrie with a K, that's like <laughs> not great for you. And I also thought when Carrie was like, Leanne's being so mean to me about the hat, blah, blah, blah. It's like, sweetie, you was, sh- you shouldn't have worn that hat. It was a spiritual place. I I didn't think Leanne if if Leanne was being rude Leanne to was her, probably embarrassed. I would have been. Yeah, you, like when you're traveling outside of the country, you go to a different culture. Right. Like sometimes you know you have to have like different behaviors. Like I, you know I went to like some temples in Bali and like mm. I had you know it was hot there, so I mm-hmm. had like shorts on, really mm-hmm. short shorts, and mm-hmm. then you know they give you things to cover like a sarong or whatever, yeah. and you have to cover yourself, and yeah. so. Um, and then you just do that because that's, right. you know, what's expected of you. You don't like wear, continue to wear the hat. And then she was acting like, yeah, it was like Leanne getting on her case. But I, if that were me, if I were Leanne, I probably would have been embarrassed that someone wasn't, yeah. that was in my group and wasn't, totally. you know, like, uh, adhering to like the, the customs or whatever. But like, um, you know, one thing that Deandra said on your show that was so interesting to me was like a little thing that like would have you know, it, it, it was kind of like an aside, but she talked about how she she and Leanne became friends and she said it was because and she intimated it was because they um, they used to have a, a friend in common that they were no longer friends with. Mm. So their friendship is based on a mutual hatred of someone else like mm. that. That was how they came together, yeah. which is like something that happens. And I mean, the thing I love about Housewives is because is that it's just like a real like study of the like complexity of mm-hmm. female friendships. It's mm-hmm. like so much more sophisticated than male friendships. And there, there are so many different levels. Mm. And so the fact that like they had this friendship that was built on a foundation of hating the, a mm-hmm. common person, mm-hmm. it just tells you everything you need to know about those women. And that like, of course they're going to end up having a falling out. Like they're right. not that you're not like, if you're not basing your, your relationship on mutual like of something and it's based on a mutual hatred of something that's not like a very solid foundation for a friendship so it might bring you close to someone really quickly and I'm sure they had good times Leanne still has that freaking gross ass bouquet all these years she still has that bouquet she mentioned it this season um but I just thought it was really fascinating that that she mentioned that it feels I could talk about this all day, just the power dynamics when you mix pre-show friendship with production. And even if it wasn't pre-show friendship, even if it was friendship that found its way because of the show, when these women are fighting, knowing that for many of them, the reason that they're fighting is for who holds the power on their franchise is fascinating to me. Obviously, Deandra, Leanne, and Carrie are fighting about it, I think, the most in Dallas with Cam trying to fight Stephanie. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Because there's a power dynamic that you are trying to, like, hold the center, whatever the fuck, horseshoe or whatever. And I see it on Orange County, too, like, watching the dynamics at BravoCon between 
Shannon and Kelly where Shannon is like, you get away with so much shit that I wouldn't be able to get away with. And understanding when the crowd is responding to that and everyone cheered, everyone cheered Kelly. Yeah. Like, and understanding that Shannon is fighting to be like, I, I believe that I am a better person than you in real life. I should also have more authority. Like my position should hold more authority than yours on Orange County. Like she feels like she's holding the moral center as well as being either more integral or on the right side in every way on Orange County. And I see that in Atlanta too. I see that with Nini and 52 Cent. I see that with Nini and Kenya. I see that with Eva and Marlo fighting each other, which is interesting because Marlo isn't, as we all know, including Wendy Williams, Marlo does not have a peach. So watching that friction take part, like the, I don't know, the fracture of it all is so interesting because some of these fights are instinct only reactive only like when Teresa responds to someone some people sometimes she's just doing it because she feels like they should be bowing down to her and it's a power position and then when I watch the women respond to Kelly on OC I think they've decided that Trace Amigas have decided that they are more powerful and more important than her. And they're also responding to the fact that they do not understand why she has such a big following and support system. And then in Dallas, I think Deandra, whose last name garners more power Mm -hmm. in the quote unquote society community, and said on AG oh, repeatedly that it's an ensemble show is trying yes. to fight back against the breakout star. And you're doing that off camera. You're doing that on camera. And it also adds a layer to all of this. Yes. Which is so specific, I feel like, to The Real Housewives. I can't think of any other kind of show. No, me neither. Because any other show, yeah, they're, they're not. Um, I mean... For me, like the Real Housewives is the most similar thing to like a like a sporting organization, yeah, like the NFL or something, yep, where yep, there's yep. like teams mm-hmm. and then there's players mm-hmm. and then like people have their favorite teams and then they have their favorite players, yeah, and um and people are rooting for certain people and it's not really like that on the like on any other. I mean, I can't think of any other reality show that's like a franchise. I mean, what's a bigger like? I mean, Little Women, L.A., Little Women, Atlanta. Like, it doesn't seem like they have. I'm just trying to think, like, what's, like, the similar is sort of setup? second? <laughs> I feel like, um, I feel like, wait, that's that's just a reality show? The 90 Day Fiancé people, I, I don't, I just, yeah. I'm laughing at myself because I think I mispronounced Fiancé. But the 90 Day Fiancé folks, that, a lot of people are incredibly passionate about that. Yes. And that is a franchise that has, like, different iterations of it. Yeah, and a lot of different ones that it's like hard to keep straight. But then, but then they they phase them in and out, right? So, and they're not connected to each other. Yes. Yeah, I think the housewife stands on its own. Yeah, that's what that's kind of what makes it unique. Um, so yeah, I, I the thing that I am so curious about, and I knew that they would never. I mean, I didn't bother during the producers panel to ask because the real questions I want to ask like as a producer I know that they would never fucking answer Mm -hmm. but like one thing that I'm so curious about like they all individually like the producers have um, a certain amount of women that are like their day-to-day producer right and then um, so you know there's probably they probably get assigned 
you know one or two yeah and so um i'm so curious if like there become these like friendship divisions because they share a day-to-day producer who's letting them know stuff um about other like the things that that are going on with the other women Mm. um like i I wonder if there's some sort of if they're like on the same product like, like the smaller production teams as like like each other so they're on like a like like for example like Cameron and and Leanne Mm -hmm. who are you know allies right and maybe they share a producer I'm not sure like I'm just so curious about that like do they share like a daily producer yeah and what's the alliance how does the alliance work when it's housewife and producer I mean the gentleman I forget his name but the gentleman who escorted Kelly back from Scary Island I think his name is Darren Darren yeah Darren I think so um said that that Dorinda just calls him every morning at like eight or nine o'clock his just morning to, medley his morning like- medley just to <laughs> shoot the shit and they just she calls him every single day and they talk and it's like an unrelated to production or maybe they'll talk a little bit about production but it's really they have a connection and it, it would be interesting to hear how much strategy takes place in that and also just how much like general information the women get like how much of that is therapy and how much of that is genuinely being social and whatever I think else that the producers are engaging in it because it helps them do their job better hmm. so i mean like a produ- being a producer like truly you're just a manipulator uh and like in the true especially like in a reality show in the truest sense like you know what you have to do like basically like you know that you have to have this end product and then you just have to reverse engineer how to get that so you have to like think you know oh i have to like do this 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 so you know Okay, so I'm smiling because there's something I was not going to bring up, but I <laughs> okay. feel like I have no choice but to. So you covered RavoCon for Jezebel. Yes. And you brought, and we went to the producers panel together. Yes. And I think we both lost our minds at the same point. I think there were two points. We didn't sit together at the Beverly Hills panel, but. No, we did at Beverly Oh, we Hills. did? Okay, yes. my bad. So we. Wait, no, we were screaming together. Right. We were screaming <laughs> together at two points. And by the way, I thought about that later in Beverly Hills. Like we were, we were right next to the people <laughs> Bravo, we're standing against the wall. <laughs> so there were two points where we started losing our minds. One was in Beverly Hills during the panel at BravoCon when the women said for the they wouldn't answer nineteenth time, watch what happens, and we started yelling and saying like, "Answer the question," because why else are we here? Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. Answer the question. Like, you cannot talk about previous housewives who've left the show and have had no problems until you get to LVP and then not say a fucking thing and say yeah. we're it's off topic we've got to go to other stuff because then why else are we here a. yeah and b there was a moment at at the producers panel where I became slightly unhinged and very very angry and vocal and it was a little while so when you are waiting in line to ask a question you don't know if you're actually going to get the opportunity to so um when I asked a question, it was like the at the producers panel finally, and I was completely intoxicated, as you saw. But the, <laughs> day drinking, I, that I was day. just a little um, lunch <laughs> o'clock. Um, that shots of sunset VIP room, <laughs> quite an experience. That little golden bar. Um, so I asked a question, and someone before me had said like asked the exact question that I was going to ask, and I was like, oh my god, what am I going to do? And then I thought I just pulled it out of my ass and asked, and then I sat down. And you know they were sort of wrapping questions, and we had realized 
because the New York producer had given her a shout out that Jill Zarin was in the audience at this panel. And there were some cute moments where he was saying some things and then he would be like, right, Jill. And she would respond. And it was a little bit of a volley to use one of her favorite phrases as a pro tennis player now. (laughs) But it was like cute, although I sort of wish she hadn't been there because I think he would have been more revealing. And they all the producers were great. But I just felt like I know I maybe that's greedy of me, but I just I really I, I loved what they were saying and I would have loved to hear them talk more about Jill without Jill being there. She wasn't supposed to be there. Leanne actually told me at that first party that we went to at the Moxie. Yeah. So I talked to her and she said that and I was like, oh, what are you going to go? Are you going to go to any like other events? Like, what are you going to go to? Are you going to go to the Vanderpump Rules party? And she's like, no, actually, we aren't allowed to attend anything that we're not participating in. Do you think that Jill didn't have to hold herself to that because she's not a current employee of Bravo? Or do you think she was supposed to and just ignored it? Yes. The latter? Yeah. I think she was supposed to and decided not to and then felt like she prop there. It wouldn't matter because she isn't like a like she's not a regular. But like also that's the kind of shit that like where she's shooting herself in the foot like she clearly wants to be back on the show. And then she's doing stuff like that. Well, nowhere could that have been more clear (laughs) than the fact that while they're wrapping up questions, there is a fan in. And P.S. When I was like standing in line to ask a question, when I actually did a couple of times, it's, hey, my name is Sarah from New York. Like, I'm not going to be like, and my podcast is because that's I'm I'm a fan. Like, my first priority is to be obsessed with this franchise. And you don't need to know that I'm like saying it and have a pot or whatever. I don't feel the need. So. I'm looking at the people in line and it's like fan, 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 Heather McDonald, fan, (laughs) fan. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not going to go great. And, you know, um, who was the moderator? He was great from Hollywood Reporter. Reporter, yeah. Was like, we got a rap soon, understandable. And Heather McDonald decided to invite herself to the front of the line. Yeah, she was like seven people deep. Back yeah. from the mic. She, and she decided. And then what happened was one of the ugliest moments at BravoCon, I thought, where her fans started shouting for her to be able to Ugh. ask a question, even though she has a fucking platform to yes. ask the question. And this isn't Bravo PodCon. It's BravoCon. Yeah. And for many of these people, the majority of the people, they're not going to have the kind of access to ask these questions that fucking Heather McDonald and Juicy Scoop, etc., would be able to have. So let that person have their and, moment. And they paid for their tickets. And they did pay for their ticket. And they were expensive. And they were expensive. So I got very annoyed. You and I were both shouting, yeah. like, no, like, let, no let, let the fans ask. Let like, the fans ask. Fair. It's not fair. And then... For whatever reason, she's elbowed her way up. She elbowed her way up and ignored us. And then the moderator was like, understood both sides and said, okay, you can ask a question. Then the person behind you can ask a question as like a happy medium. But I was very, very annoyed that she thought she could elbow her way up. And then she asked the question. And what was the fucking question? The question was, it was a a comment. It was a comment which was, when is Jill going to come back on the show? Jill needs to come back on the show. And you fucking I know. I like Jill. I like Jill. She did it while Jill was in the room. She did it because she knew the response would be great. And you know that those bitches strategized it before the panel began. And I was very, very angry. And you could tell the producer on stage was like, uh, that's not really up to ask us, up to us. You should talk to the network. Yeah. Which is his mm-hmm. way of being like, there's obviously a problem here. 
but it's not on me to resolve it. And you're not going to get the info you want. You're just continuing to build your campaign. Yeah. It felt really ugly to me and flat. And I just got really fucking annoyed. And then weren't you the one after? So to say what you said after. Okay. So to say what you did after. Oh, what I did or, or what? You went up to the person. Oh, oh, Wasn't oh. that you oh, or I was thought, it Pet yeah, Shop yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to. Uh, I thought you were going to talk about this other. I can talk about the other thing too. Yeah. Tell um, but no, I went up to the person that was in front of Heather that she cut off. Right. And um, I was like, what were you going to ask? And he said that he was going to ask the producers about Nini pushing the camera person and like breaking his tooth in the closet, which is like something that we all would have wanted to right. hear. And that is a genuine tea and you know, they would have said something, yes. you know, that they would have given us information yes. that is upsetting to yeah. me. Um, and, and cause I, you know, I kind of like, even, even though like that had just happened last season, I sort of forgot about it because I was in this sort of like halo <laughs> of, of, you know, just like hearing them talk yeah. about like scary Island or whatever. And I was an like, unbelievable oh, panel. God, wow. So good. It was so good. Um, Evan real, by the way, I think was that guy's name from the Hollywood reporter. I don't know why that's coming to me now, yeah. but anyway, if that could be wrong, um, Evan something or other. So here's another thing also that I don't know is fact, but someone told me, um, <laughs> Uh, someone was a, uh, that I know was a guest on Watch What Happens Live and asked, why isn't Jill back on the show? Or is Jill ever going to come back on the show? And she said that Andy said this. Okay, I just want to preface, don't know if this is true. Oh my I God. love to believe it. What's about to happen? Um, and so um, she was told that um, Jill had been campaigning to come back on the show. This is when Bobby was still sick and she was getting the other women on the show to write emails to Andy to try to like, be like, you know, Jill really should come back on the show. And, um, you know, she, you know, we really all want her and, you know, it's water under the bridge, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that didn't work. And then someone else who works at, um, NBC universal, but not at Bravo told me this other thing that Jill had created a deck with slides of like why she should come back on the show and that um, one of the um, reasons or that she gave is like these potential storylines is that Bobby's sick and he's going to die and this is her journey now and they should be there to capture it. (laughs) Which is like wild and here's the thing I don't know if it's true I like to believe that it's true and I and I I like to believe that that's not what I thought you were gonna say no I like I because I because I think I can see that I can see that happening I can see her getting an assistant to create a deck you know in in tv development and production use decks constantly to communicate the ideas and the storylines and the you know whatever it is and so that just seems so you know uh, that that seems very realistic to me that she would create a deck of slides of like you know what her because and then I, I also know that like in the beginning of every season they sit down with the women and they're like what's going on with your life right now like because they're trying to plan like what the storyline is going to be like production doesn't just like you know shoot a bunch of shit and hope for the right. best like you want which to- Jill said on AG she was like they sat down and they like talked about her schedule or whatever yeah, yeah yes yeah. so like you know so she was trying to sell her storyline of you know uh like going through this like cancer fight that he was eventually going to lose and that she explicitly she, said that he was i mean it wasn't yeah a, that he was dying it was like can- bobby, that wasn't bobby's gonna die but, bobby's gonna die oh my and God. this is 
this is, you know, Jill's journey now. And then, you know, she's going to be a widow and blah, blah, blah. And like, they're like selling it like that. I don't know if like if that's any of it word for word, but that's what I was told was that 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 happened. And what was the response? Did she get a response? I don't know if they respond. I mean, here's the thing also as like a producer is that you always stay in touch with people. Yeah. Because you never know yeah. like when that's going to pay off mm-hmm. or, you mm-hmm. know, you just like a good producer just like constantly is in touch with people all the time like and journalists too like you don't want to like lose a source like you just kind of like keep a a, you know keep you keep in touch with people and so I'm sure they want to keep it like light and bright with her and they keep it they keep in touch with her because you know then they can have her come back for an OG panel or whatever the case and so um but I think that they probably I'm assuming didn't want to engage I wasn't told why like it's just a no from them on it but I'm so curious of like why it's a no I mean I asked Andy at watch what happens during a commercial break I asked him twice I think I I Darren uh Damien was there I um and we've talked about it on IG before but like I asked him and he was like and Andy said something along the lines I think of like you never know it's possible and then I said you know I spoke to Jill and she explicitly because I've interviewed her a couple times and I said she explicitly told me at her luxury luncheon in the Hamptons that she wants to be back and he was like I don't think so (laughs) it went from like maybe to like probably not and I think the thing with Jill is she is I think she was very very difficult to work with behind the scenes if we're going to talk about the amount of times that Deandra contacted production I think Jill created that kind of history and took it to a different level I think there are some housewives who are more demanding than others and I think she herself would probably admit she was very demanding and I think she made some bad choices she sort of iced herself out by deciding that she was going to produce a fight with Bethany and she just misunderstood what that would mean for her future on the show she also did a bunch of shit with like watch what happens yeah recording it secretly recording it yeah um uh she got apparently she got very and I think Andy talks about this in in her book in his book um in one of his books I love all of his books she that she got um she got really like uh, pissed off when Jiggy became a star and that he had a a, you know a framed photo of Jiggy in the clubhouse clubhouse, and then she had like a portrait painting done of Ginger and gave it to Andy and he did not hang it in the clubhouse and then she asked for it back she also had a (laughs) a poll recount done she was watching a show and he said I think he said that like she was right in that when they did a recount it wasn't so much of a landslide or whatever but I think she is very plugged in and frankly if I had been on the show I would also be very plugged in I think that that's why you wouldn't make a good housewife is like the self-aware thing right although there's a she's a weird I think I would be obsessed I would become obsessive yes and she so she's a weird version where she's self-aware she's aware of the cameras and she's aware of the perception of the audience she isn't aware of how she's coming off to production so like that that's a that's a different that's a different thing I think she is hyper aware I don't know if she's self-aware I think that the issue for her professionally is that she is not self-aware enough when it comes to how her behavior affects other people. Yeah. Um, it's a different kind of thing than what I would say like Nini has. I think Nini is probably definitely more self-aware than Jill. I think that Nini just chooses to ignore it. Um, yeah, the Jill thing, it was so, it was rough, tough stuff for me at BravoCon because I was, it wasn't a great moment. It felt really strategic. 
I could see the looks in the producer's eyes during yeah. it. They understood yeah. that it was strategic because here's the problem. And to like full circle it with Deandra, if you're going to make that kind of kill, you need to make sure that it's exactly right. It because lands. if you cannot land it, it blows up in your fucking face. Yeah. And I think that's what happened with Deandra and Carrie. I think that's what happened with Jill and Heather. And the problem is that then it's, it's a moment that you can't take back. Yeah. And so I get nervous for Jill because I'm like, how is this helping you in your journey, in your campaign? And I want you back on the show. I want you to be back. But it's it goes you go too far, you know, and the Deandra Carey thing is like, how are you going to be able to walk this back when we have seen moment after moment after moment after moment? Are you talking about the bad like manufacturing prog, you know, process with this dress then how can you say you're doing it to be supportive yeah how can you say you're doing it if you're a trained comedian you know like this is not gonna pay off for you and it also shows a part of you that's not like the easiest to see you can't unreveal it you know what I thought was really telling was when during one of the OG panels or I think it was like the first panel of that launched BravoCon, mm-hmm. the one where it was like the women that aren't on the show anymore the women yeah. that aren't on the show anymore and Kim and Caroline and yeah um uh Adrian and yeah yeah Jill yeah, yeah. Gina so um they would play Gina these, like Keo. packages of yeah. the women on that big screen behind mm-hmm. it was like a, a sort of like a montage of like their funniest moments or their mm-hmm. best moments or their worst moments and during Jill's she was sitting in the couch and she was mouthing all of her dialogue Oh my god. And that was fascinating to me because listen, I could mouth that fucking well, dialogue. I, like, I know it. Could, we love <laughs> it's like we it's it there's no way for her to win at a certain point because yeah. we love how invested she is. That's we take it as a as a feeling of endearment toward her, but she sometimes calibrates too far into it that it self-destructs, but I love that about that is so on brand for Jill to be her own stage mom. Like that is great. Like we don't need Allie. Jill can do it to Jill. Yes. You know? Yes. It's, Jesus, that is oh it was because no no one else did that nobody else on any panel did that did it include moments with like jill and i was a half hour late because i forgot my wristband absolutely (laughs) (laughs) it absolutely included terrible moments and And she was she was doing that for all those yes and she was like and you know looking down and like shaking her head side to side when she was doing that and then also oh jill i love you so much brought that fucking dog out because like she's still trying to make a dog happen and then <laughs> the first thing she Bossy said. Bossy Zarin. I love that fucking dog. The first thing she said when she sat down and, you know, the first thing she said at BravoCon was, Ginger's dead. And <laughs> just to, like, update us and let us know. And then now she has this new dog that she's, like, forcing down everyone's throats because she wants she wants a jiggy so fucking bad. She wants to, she wants an LVP moment. Well, she so so she when uh, at Watch What Happens Live, I, I meant to mention this in my Jezebel piece, but I completely forgot. At Watch What Happens Live, she, you know, came out on stage with the OGs. They who's the she? Oh, I'm sorry, Jill. Okay, um, came out with like the OGs. So it was basically that first panel. Yeah, people came out first for Watch What Happens Live. She just came out as normal, whatever. She sits down, doesn't have the dog. 
then a couple um segments later lisa vanderpump surprises everyone they didn't think she like the vanderpump rules kids didn't even think she was showing up. yeah she was she canceled on participating in a bunch of stuff yeah like leanne subbed for her at yes. the lgbtq panel and, and blah, she blah, blah. clearly wasn't in that green room like drunk right tank. shooting the shit right <laughs> i would have loved loved what a moment fly on the wall what a moment room. and so um then so lisa comes out with jiggy and the look on Jill's face. Oh my god! And then, and I think it was Jiggy. It may have been. It was a it no. Was, it wasn't Jiggy. It if was that a, was the thing. It was a, the one that looks like Jiggy, but isn't Jiggy. Okay, so it was it was a dog in a in a suit. Yeah, and it was a like a pom, like a little pomeranian because Jill now has a pomeranian, and uh, it was a fluff, fluffy right. little well, dog. It was it was Kevin. What's his face? It doesn't have alopecia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was Kevin Klein indeed. Yeah, yeah. And so she um so she came out with the dog, and then she left like lisa literally literally ken was standing uh, on the floor like in front of my seat on the side of the stage holding lisa's handbag and like ready for them to hightail out of there as soon as the vanderpump rules segment was over she left and i guess because she didn't want to you know see anyone from beverly hills and then uh, as soon as that happened and nobody from Watch What Happens Live knew that that was going to happen. They thought Lisa was going to stay on stage. And so everyone was like, where's Lisa? Where's Lisa? Um, then as soon as it was clear that she wasn't there, um, Jill made someone go get her fucking dog and bring the dog out on stage because she was like, well, I'm going to have my dog on stage. So then then her dog was just like running around the stage for <sighs> the entire show. And I mean, it's just like a run of the mill. The thing that made Jiggy special is that he was like half dead and had no hair. (laughs) (laughs) Like a regular Pomeranian is just a regular Pomeranian. (gasps) That is so special. (laughs) Shaggy, thank you for giving us the gift of life, but also not. Okay, that actually reminds me. I have a Bravo, which I think you answered in the best way. I have a BravoCon satchel from Dean in Dallas. Hi, Sarah. Not a first time satcheler, but wanted to let you know that I've been listening since you're First episode and through, oh, through breakups, job changes, and city changes, your episodes are a constant light in my life. Thank you so much, Dean from Dallas. Um, And Dean from Dallas says, I have a BravoCon related question for you. On my second watch of the Watch What Happens Live BravoCon show, I couldn't help but notice that Caroline disappeared from the stage at some point. I didn't notice a single other person leave the stage during the show. That's not to say they didn't. Obviously, with so many people, I couldn't see them all, but wanted to know if you had any tea on this. Did she and Teresa refused to be on the same stage together obviously also they were pointedly left out of the squash the beef segment any observations you have or rumblings you've heard thought that it was one of the few if not the only people to leave the stage during the show something might be up with the Caroline Teresa dynamic as always excited for your thoughts XO Dean from Dallas first off thank you for your um love so sweet love that um and yeah, I I would say the Caroline and and um, LVP moments were essentially identical in yes. that regardless of whether Caroline obviously I, I I don't remember the show to be honest, but like she wasn't a surprise. LVP was yeah. and but the way that they exited was the same. I don't think they left during the same segment too. I, my, yeah, my, I, I don't think that they wanted to be on. I don't think they wanted to be anywhere near no. their castmates. And Andy made it a point to announce that they both had left. Wow. Uh, when I don't know if that got included in the actual show because I didn't watch the edit. Was he saying it like as a whisper? Like, 
No, he was like, hey, we have everyone here except for Caroline and Lisa, who unfortunately wow. had to leave. And like he that it to me, he said that because he was like a little shady, a little bit pissed. Good. Um, And so, yeah, they left. But I, I have a feeling that when when Caroline saw Lisa leave, yeah. she was like, oh, we're allowed to go and then left. I don't know if like it was preplanned. I, I just I, all I know is that they weren't expecting Lisa to leave. And she did. And so I have a feeling that the same thing happened with Caroline. She just didn't want to see Teresa. Yeah, I think if you're going to look for a comparison, looking at both of those women and and their quick um, exits. um, And then also, you know, it sort of reminded me of like Kim Zolciak Bierman when she quit Atlanta in the middle of the episode where they were talking about scheduling and she was trying to get out of it. Like there's a reason that Croy was waiting in a car outside, which was referenced, I think on the reunion. I Mm -hmm. definitely remember that it was referenced, which is she knew that she was going to go. And so off she went. So in your getaway car, right? So in your BravoCon piece on Jezebel, you mentioned Ken was waiting in the wings with whichever dog that was. (laughs) And I think that it's the same fucking thing. They knew she knew that she was going to come on. I mean, even at the Vanderpump, rules party she went on stage it was unannounced I was shocked and then I thought she was I thought she was gonna leave right after I literally thought she was doing two seconds and then the fact that she came back onto the balcony for however long I was like oh well this is actually kind of nice it was but very weird how she just was like let's party yeah I think she was exhausted it was just it was it was weird I did feel it felt good to know I wasn't the oldest woman And the party. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was, I had like a, I had a crisis at that. I was like a little, <laughs> I didn't know how to feel. But um, Dean from Dallas, to answer your question, I think we answered it. I think it was, yeah. I think it was strategic. I think that they didn't inform anyone. I am surprised by Lisa's absence aside from the VPR party, which she could essentially control. It was all her people. Yeah. Um, Meaning the crowd was all, I would say, overwhelmingly team LVP. Um, You know, I was surprised by how the Beverly Hills panel was handled, but it says a lot about her power in the way that she's been able to drive control of like the narrative in the sense of the questions that Bravo will allow. Yeah. Um, And it's something that you touched on a little in your New York Times piece about race and real housewives when you talked about Faith joining Beverly Hills and Vanderpump Rules sorry sorry joining Vanderpump Rules and the reason for it being a little bit less about diversity in and of itself and more about how diversity is seen through LVP's like reputation. It was, it was her, like, that yeah, it was her virtue signaling basically where she like faith said that it was very, it was, it was very understood that, um, you know, faith being on the show and being cast was about, um, showing that Lisa is an equal opportunity employer instead of it being about having a you know, diverse, racially diverse cast on the show. Um, and, and they discussed, they discussed that it was a benefit that faith was black and that, you know, this is like going to be good for I mean, because when Lisa met with Faith to, you know, ask her to be on the show, Lisa, it was Lisa and Lisa's publicist. Oh, Jesus. And so it's so crazy. I did a very long interview with Faith for that story. And she told me so many more things. And um, they cut like basically everything out. I think mostly because it just wasn't Housewives. Mm-hmm. It was it was Vanderpump Rules stuff. But there was a lot of racial shit that happened that wasn't very cool 
that like, you know, uh, I felt really bad for her. Um, and I'm glad that she got out of that situation and was able to get on a different show. What show and, did she get on? Uh, X on the beach. Oh, and then okay. now she does challenges. So oh, good for her. Yeah. So that's like her thing. She was sort of used. It felt like she was used in like quasi slut shamed a little bit Absolutely. on VPR, right? Because it really, it was like she was used to show how much of a shit Jax is, but she never really got the chance or if she did, it wasn't a, edited into the show to really explain her side of the story because they didn't they they didn't offer her a contract to come back after that first year she was on the first year she and lala did their first year together and they offered, i don't even remember her I, she went on the vacation so she was I, personally what i think and i tried to talk to her about this but i was like do you think that maybe lisa didn't take a shine to you because you were fucking her son and oh now she, i remember <laughs> oh my god now i and do remember she was like um no well I don't know. I, I never thought about it. I didn't think so. And it's like, yeah, Faith, that's what it was. And so she wasn't offered a contract to return. And so oh then. Oh, my God. Now I remember. Yeah. And then. so, But she was still actually like legitimately friends with Lala and James. And so she was still like hanging out with them a lot. Like whoever that girl is, Rachel O'Brien, that's always kind of around. The comedian. Yes. And Deandra, so, take note. <laughs> Ariana's like, I can help you with classes. And so, um, so Faith was just going to filmings, um, and you know, uh, not getting paid to do it, but she was just going cause James would beg her like, please come, I'm, I'm DJing this set or blah, blah, blah. And she like went to Sheena's birthday party and then this thing happened there and she had like, um, she had revealed that she had fucked Jax cause she was really, really drunk and she was angry because he had told her that he broke up with Britney and then he showed up with Britney and so she was angry and she said this and like maybe she said it because she wanted to get back on the show I mean whatever and so but Lala got mad at her because Lala had pitched that to producers as her storyline that she was going to reveal that Jax had cheated on Britney and so oh my god yeah and so I thought that was crazy that they were not paying this woman of color to be on the show and that the entire season story like the entire arc of the season was based on her sexual history with somebody and she didn't make any money off of it and so then they invited her so then she had them contact her agent because they wanted her to like you know come on the show and discuss it and they said that they weren't going to pay her that there's no money in the budget and her agent was like well then she's not doing it so then they contacted her during the reunion and they wanted her to come back on to just to you know Oh, give God. herself a chance to she would have herself buried they weren't gonna give her women. any money to come on the reunion and so then she was like well if you're not gonna pay me to come on I'm not doing it that's like a really emotional like grind for me I'm not gonna do that and so she didn't and then you know in the in the like off off camera there were all these other like f like like crazy things were like Stassi and Kristen who Faith was like I didn't even have an issue with them and she was like, they, oh, this is another interesting thing. Do you remember at Katie and um, Schwartz's engagement party that was happening at Lisa's uh, Villa Rosa at her, at Lisa's house? They, she, Lisa threw them an engagement party. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stassi and Was it Kristen. a dinner? It was a dinner outside? Yeah. Oh, no, wait. Like, there's like somebody's. sunset drinks yeah, 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 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stassi and Kristen showed up and um they were going to be giving this like speech and it was all planned. Like they, pl they made it seem like they were crashing the party because Lisa didn't like. Kristen right, and right, Stassi right. was kind of on the outs as well and so um 
but everyone knew they were going to be giving this speech. And so Lisa came up to Faith before or like like right before. And she was like, when they get up there, why don't you boo them and tell them to get off the stage? And um, Faith was like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I don't even know. I have no issues with them. Wait, I'm not gonna- Lisa said that? Lisa said that to Faith. And Faith was like, I'm not going to do that. I have no issues w- with, with them. And so then Ken went up to Lala and oh my Ken God. told Lala to do oh it. My God. And then she did it. And I remember her doing that. And she, which convinces me she's a good actress because I thought that seemed so real to me. And it wasn't like it was a machination by like Ken. And so, um, so it also like Lisa probably didn't want Faith back because she doesn't take orders and she doesn't take direction and and she wasn't willing to play you know the game and so um so she had no beef so basically she had no beef with Stassi and Kristen uh she wouldn't even do this thing where she had to boo them to get off the stage so cut to a year later and they're um you know she's accused of like all this stuff like you know of being a the whore that like seduced Jax who he's the whore right um and so um uh, Kristen and Stassi start going on I think it was Stassi's podcast but they also were like doing it on social media where there had been a story in um, the LA Times and it was like going around LA that there was this black woman who was um, oh God. getting men drunk and then stealing their money and there was some like ATM camera footage of her like a like some kind of like CCTV footage of her so, so it was like really grainy and and you know, not great, but, um, they, then they put it on their socials or whatever. And they were like, look, it's faith. You can tell it's faith. And she's wearing the same jacket that she stole from James. And so then I just like went deep on it and I went and found the jacket on James's Instagram and it's clearly not the same jacket. The stripes are different. And then also it's so clearly not faith because the woman is much lighter skinned and it's just like, it was just a black woman who had eyelashes and a wig. And so, for them to have like accused her of like stealing from multiple people and it, it was just really fucked up. I thought it was really fucked up. Stasi has some like weird race issues um, that is a little bit beyond casual racism. And so I, I think that that it's that's kind of gross. But um, I you know, I really wanted to include all of that stuff in the piece, but it just wasn't Damn, housewives. That's a lot of you know, scoop. centric. Yeah. And, but Faith was so nice and so open. And I'm sure she is probably, she's like a little bit of like a broken person too. And, but like both her parents are dead. They died when she was very young. I think they died mm-hmm. when she was like nine and then 18. Oh, Jesus. So then she went into the military because like that's how she, you know, was able to go to college. And um, so, you know, I just, I, I feel a lot for Faith and I felt really bad for her. And um, I think that she wasn't treated in the best way on that show. Wow. How, and what was, so you wrote this piece that got a lot of attention. What was Bravo's response to it? If any, I mean, they were, I had been talking to them the whole time while I was doing it because I was trying to get access to people so I could talk to them about it. And they were like, they were really not, uh, cool with the subject matter uh-huh. because initially what the piece was supposed to be was that I got assigned a piece that Bravo is like catering to the like Latin X market now but they had oh um Mexican dynasties they had Texacanas and then there was Carrie like, with a K in Dallas I, yeah there's something else and so I was like okay cool and then I started working on it I interviewed the head I interviewed like the the like VP of I think uh current production there Sherry Levine 
And it was just like a real fluff piece, whatever. And so then I went back to my editor and I was like, yeah, I can turn this around. I can get this to you, you know, by Wednesday, whatever. And I was like, but, you know, what would be interesting is like, you know, maybe if we could talk about in a different piece how like the housewives are segregated by city, like by race. And then she was like, well, let's just do that instead. So then that kind of fucked me because I had already talked to Bravo and they so they thought I was kind of like trying to pull a fast one and like try to trying to like, you know, talk to them about this like positive thing of them catering to this like uh latin you know yeah. like demographic and um which i wasn't like they really did want that piece but like to me that wasn't as interesting as the other thing and so um so then they they were sort of on they were sort of on to me i've been in touch with them then they were like okay well why don't you send us your questions that you want to ask the housewives and then i did i and i don't usually ever do that and but i did and i sent them the questions and they didn't like them at all but I was being really honest about like what I wanted to ask them and so then they were like okay we're not going to participate but you know let us know and they were just I could tell there's one woman in particular when there was a guy I was mostly talking to he doesn't even work there anymore he he just sent a email this week that he's leaving to go somewhere else but um this other woman um who I mean she was she wasn't very nice to me on the phone to be honest um and so they and this was way before the piece came out and I was like listen like trying like there's one thing if I I I just I don't love publicists like having to deal with them Mm -hmm. and like from a writer's standpoint it's it's not the best um because they're they're you know trying to keep it close to the vest and they're not they are doing their job and trying to protect yeah of course they have a vested interest yeah controlling the narrative yep and so that doesn't that doesn't work out the best for journalists, you know? And so it's this like sort of cat and mouse game. And so, but when, uh, I kept trying to tell them like, listen, I love Bravo. You don't understand. Like I am obsessed with these shows. I watch, I live and breathe them. I watch them all the time. I I don't want, I'm not doing like a takedown piece on Bravo. I'm just, I just want to have this conversation that I know that people are having anyway and, and just talk about it. And I don't think that they really, like understood that until the piece came out and then they were a little bit nicer when it came out they didn't, they still didn't contact me but <laughs> um, I don't think it was a takedown piece at all I mean I think it was a it was talking about a subject that is um something that a lot of people want to know I mean it was something that you brought up when it was like specific to Beverly Hills like Garcelle joining and being the first um okay, so black woman on Beverly Hills tell so me I started working on the piece in April and I had been in touch with Bravo the entire time. Okay. And finally in like July, I had this like phone call where, you know, they weren't very nice to me. It was kind of like a conference call. And then, um, and then I filed my piece, um, at the end of the week, mm-hmm. um, my first draft, um, two, and then, so then, you know, there's a lot of editing that happens in the New York times. Mm-hmm. And so then we, you know, I did another draft and then like, I think it was like, Three days after my my second oh my draft God. was filed, they announced that Garcelle with Garcelle. Like, Holy but it's shit! Like, why didn't you guys tell me this entire time that we've been talking for the last four months? That you know, like, why don't you hold your horses? We have a we have an announcement coming out because they didn't fucking know. Like, I think that they maybe like motored and hurried up. I mean, that my sense was that they motored and hurried up and they hired a woman of color. Um, once this was becoming an issue, I mean, they were they seemed really like like upset that I was gonna like write about this like it it seemed really detrimental to them um and so I my I have a feeling that they hired her because it's so rare 
that they announce who is going to be the newest housewife like in a press release before before the filming even starts like apparently the women the other women on the show when Garcelle showed up at a party they were all surprised because they didn't know that she was going to be filming with them until like a press release had come out like an hour before or something didn't they do that with Denise though too Denise was announced did they put, before. Did they do a press release? I think or they was did. It just like I could be wrong. I think they did. Online, uh, no, I think it was an announcement. Okay, but like, but the women must have I known be because wrong. Lisa Rinna is like friendly with Denise. Right, right, and right. I feel like they would have had some. The cast sort would of, have known. Yeah, yeah, some sort of idea. So like, it seemed from what I read on page six, it seemed like the cast didn't know that she was going to be hired. Whatever the case, I think she's going to be amazing for the show. Um, I think it's a really great move on their part like whatever the motivation was mm. it doesn't matter like I and think, she was hired because she's a great I mean like I mean the, just like the things that she's done in her regular life that yeah, didn't are so involve great. Yeah. a camera yeah. of like calling people like the thing with her husband and yeah, cheating on her and, yeah her and um, her emailing his entire office yeah, I mean like that or whatever she's it was. gonna be great yeah she's got she seems like she has like balls um so yeah like that's 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 that. Um, I don't know. I so then after the piece came out, like months later, um, you know, I, I contacted them because I wanted BravoCon tickets. They were like a little bit like waving them like a carrot on a stick in front of my face for like when it was first announced. That's when I was first working on the piece. And then as like the piece went on, like that conversation just kind of stopped. And oh my so God. Then, um, no one from the New York Times, I don't think anyone from the New York Times ended up going. And so then I was like, fuck them. I'm fucking going to this thing. So then I just was like, I knew I could count on Jezebel to like, let me publish something. And so that I could like go, but I ended up having to write about it for two places because that was the only way I could get tickets for all the days. So, um, it's fine. I'm so glad that I went. I'm so glad I had press passes. Um, but yeah, I, you know. It wasn't a takedown in any way. No. I mean, I feel like it was a. I would never participate. In right, because you love Bravo. Bravo. Yeah, I wouldn't want to. I I wouldn't want to ruin any of my. I mean, that's my entertainment in my life. I wouldn't want that to stop. It all comes from a place of love. Yeah, and when you love someone. <laughs> Sometimes you have questions. Yeah. Or you, and it's just to make that love stronger and better and greater. It only speaks to like what a phenomenon housewives is that the conversation is that big about it. You know, like love means having to say you're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I never understood. I never understood. I never. I don't. Meant. I still haven't seen that movie. <laughs> yeah. Can't do it. Did watch their show. Actually, that was one of the darkest reality shows I've I ever seen. Right. Um, totally. Uh, what's her face? Sarah Fawcett. And well, but it's it was more the kid, um, Oscar winner. Oh, Tatum O'Neill. Yeah, Tatum her and her dad. Great. I didn't read the book, but I did watch a little bit of her reality show, Tatum and Ryan, whatever the fuck, Daddy Doesn't Love Me Anymore, whatever he it was. He hit on her at Farrah Fawcett's funeral because he didn't recognize her. Oh, God. Isn't that so gross? It was, it, that was a really dark, bad show. Yeah, that was dark. Although being Bobby Brown... People also say that's dark. dark, but I fucking love that show. It. Was dark that as fuck. might be my favorite reality show that ever really existed. Yeah. Also, Bravo. I mean, that wow. Bravo, like that, and and Hey Paula, were I was riveted. Oh, those, poor Hey Paula. Those one and done. So dark. Yeah. Also, Bravo. Holy shit. 
Wow. The gifts they have given us. Yeah. For generations. We will remember. I quote being Bobby Brown like probably once a week. Different things from from that show. Oh, my God. That show was so good. Oh, my God. You know what was so good? This episode. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's so much that I want to talk about that's just like Atlanta. Like there's so much going on on these shows and behind the scenes that you need to come back. Like I'm dead serious. Like you need to come back. Can you come back in a couple weeks? Cause I want to get your thoughts on what's happening um, on Atlanta. I want to get your thoughts on like Tamara. Can I just ask like just in 60 seconds, like what do you think about a lot of people are calling for Tamara to come off the show and for Vicky to go from friend up. I mean, allegedly Vicky herself leaked news, whatever this week that she was back full time, which is like, that's an interesting way to strategize. But what are your thoughts on Tamara and Vicky on OC? Should they continue? Should they come off? Should they be demoted? I think Vicky needs some time off. Like, and I think maybe Tamara needs some time off. I will say that I do think that Tamara is good at being a housewife yeah she is she's able to bring up like all of the off-camera shit that no one else wants to talk about and then she talks she gets them to talk about it she's just not as good at um manipulating people without them figuring it figuring it out yeah (laughs) so that's like her that's where she fails but like I don't know maybe Tamara needs to like I mean, they maybe they just need to like press pause. Like a lot of times, a lot of things just need to be unplugged and replugged back in, yeah, in order to work again. So maybe they just need a little bit of a break and then to come back. Like Nini, right? Had a break and then came back um, for better or worse. Kenya yeah. had a break and came back and yes. is better than ever. Yes, yes. I have the amount of fucking sympathy I have for what Kenya is showing whether or not I thought I have thought to myself a little bit like some of these scenes with candy like when is this being shot because I was not expecting her to come back and to come back in the midst of her marriage falling apart I really thought that was going to be a build-up and they're coming back with like that chaos or not really chaos but complication at a 10 I really really wasn't expecting but the what she is showing and coming back having had that break I think is so important I missed her I missed her on Atlanta I'm so glad she's back wait you're giving me eyes oh no I'm thinking about oh, okay it. I'm so glad she's back but I'm also surprised at the state of affairs with her marriage and it I thought for a little bit like was some of this shot after, but I don't think so. I think it's, I th- I think maybe that's where it was. Maybe a little bit was it? I don't know. I think that's really where it was. She may have like agreed to come back because she needed a lily pad. Yeah. You know, like in order for like, she may have, she may have needed to figure out a way to like maybe she realized it wasn't working with him yeah and, and she was subservient which is yeah. something that candy said and maybe she realized that wasn't a good fit for her and no, she needed to reclaim herself everyone knew that that wasn't going to be a good fit for her yeah. I thought it was honestly the reason why I thought the marriage was fake was because um initially I thought it was fake because to me it's just so clear that Kenya wants to mm. do a big like wedding on tv mm-hmm, and wants to mm-hmm. do a big thing and wants to celebrate it with like people in her life and wants to showcase what's like good about her life and that it wasn't I thought was that she didn't do that I thought that was weird and then that was clearly him trying to control it and that she allowed him to control it there's some weird shit going on with her because she was also in that 
abusive relationship right before that with Matt Jordan. Yeah. Who's in the news this week for yes. fucking assaulting, assaulting his- a girlfriend or ex-girlfriend. Yes. He's dangerous. My God. So she has, um, I mean, that's something to unpack with my sister, um, mm. is Kenya and like her mother issues and then like allowing, um, people to dominate her because she's otherwise is a completely dominant personality. I love her so much and I never thought I would say that. And I, I really love her. I feel a lot of compassion for her and even though I do not agree with a lot of Kelly Dodd's behavior, I feel a lot of compassion for Kelly too. They're very, very different people and I think of them very, very differently that I don't know how I'm, it, I'm just comparing it in my head in terms of the evolution that I have had as a viewer and, and being very, very strong in having negative feelings for both of these women, which probably with Kenya climax during the reunion fight with Portia because I felt like she was completely completely egging Portia on and the end result was what it was but she wasn't she needed to take some ownership of that um and now I'm in a place where I'm like she is showing so much she's showing a lot of truth she is empathetic in a way that she hasn't been necessarily for me before yeah and she's so good at this and I feel like Nini's time has passed or maybe Mm. she needs another timeout. I don't really know, but I think Kenya is so crucial to the franchise and I have like nothing but love for her being back. I'm really, I hold Kenya very close to my heart. Obviously Portia is the greatest ever. She's giving us so much that fucking wheelchair at BravoCon was being carried out of the wheelchair. You need to frame your photo with her. I have so many photos of us. (laughs) That was, I only posted one. You have to see my IG. I only posted one, but there are several. And then she fucking commented on it. And I didn't even see the comment until like the day after. It was like, I love you or something. Because I really, like I quoted in the IG piece, I really did a direct quote of exactly what I said to her, which is like, you were the greatest there ever was and whatever the fuck it was and whatever will be like I gen and I was the first person to talk to her because of the gift that was bravo like gave me unbelievable like I I I could not be more of a stan double down after this because bravo was so incredible to me but like she I literally it was like my biggest regret of all of bravo was not going with you to get a picture with her because I thought we were gonna have to stand in line I was like I'm not standing in that line no and then you didn't I didn't know until after that you didn't have to do that and I was like shit but you look like Princess Diana, like greeting <laughs> like, someone from one of like her, like like a uh, like from her missionary work or like her charity or whatever, like like whatever she did in like the minefield. Oh my like, god! No, Portia looks like Princess Diana, and I look like one of the underlings. I'm just like but you're like you're holy. I was hanging in there. Yes, like, yes. And like an injured person. And she was the Mother Teresa. And I was just her groupie being like, you have given us so many gifts. You have you have created miracles, Portia Williams. <laughs> you have created motherfucking miracles. And she, she really has. She has had one of the greatest evolutions of anybody on this show. And I felt so. She's so funny. I got teary during that panel because they were so wonderful. And the energy was so great. And the responsiveness in the room was so great that I was genuinely verklempt. Had tears in my eyes because I was so appreciative for these women and there were little moments where I got incredibly protective like when a woman which I think you wrote in your piece like a woman got up to the mic and was like you need to understand things about oh she's a um that like history a history professor professor of slavery yes and and she asked a question but I thought that Kenya answered yeah like 
I was I, I was always abs- thought that Gone with the Wind Fabulous was like funny, but I was like that. I mean, it is about slavery. Yeah. Um, and curtains. If you're talking about spinning around in a dress, yeah, like a curtain dress. So I always was a little bit confused about that, and she really cleared it up that like they had been speaking about Hattie McDaniel before, right. and it also adds a total new layer to why Beyonce said it at, after the Super Bowl. Beyonce right. was like, it was Gone with the Wind Fabulous because it like that. I didn't know until Kenya answered the question that she that the phrase is referring to breaking barriers for mm-hmm. black women. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, <laughs> like which was that- great. I was protective of Portia because I was like, don't anybody come to port to like what was try- Portia's answer? Did she even answer? I don't think she- I don't remember that she did. But I was also like she doesn't have a leg anymore guys like, she's like, like let's just like let's she's giving us so much like I just I just I, I don't know in that moment I was like just someone protect she's going through so much she's having such a rough season and now we know she's back with Dennis and she's saying during the panel Ugh. she's people were booing when under because again everyone is very protective of Portia and she was like don't when Dennis was mentioned people were booing and she's like don't boo like we're trying to work through it or whatever yeah. blah 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 and she talked about how difficult it was to recap what she had been through with him now when they went to do like coverage or whatever and do confessionals because they're back together and I just am very protective of her and that little moment that we had and the fact that she followed up and it's very on brand for me that I did not notice her comment for a full 24 hours um just she just she really means a lot to me and if the connective thread maybe it's just the connective thread of Bravo was like having these moments with some of these women and really having like a genuine connection in that however many seconds and Bravo enabling this to happen, like bringing the communities all together so that we can ask pointed questions, but really also just like feel the love and be able to tell these people how much they mean to us was very impactful for me like I really I still we had talked before we started recording like we haven't recovered from it yet and some of that's like exhaustion and our bodies being like why did you do that to me but a lot of it it's also like I cannot believe that happened like it really is like remarkable and I'm so grateful like how are they gonna make it I don't know next year like how are they gonna because it was so it felt it was unbelievable and so well done yes very 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 well done um, I don't know how it, they're going to top it next year. Like, how I don't know, they, but I, I can't wait. I know. I'm I very really excited. Watch what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what really bothers me about one thing that Teresa Judice kept saying on the panel. I know that people can't talk about like wh- or reveal what's going to happen in this yeah. season, but she kept saying, wait and see. And I was like, it's one for an hour. Like <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know Tracy. Someone needs to tell her. She just needs, she doesn't know how to pronounce her name. It has oh been through god. three iterations. Oh my god, it's wild that she can't pronounce her own last I name. I love that they she keeps talking about reinventing. She has reinvented the pronunciation of her last name three times. She is her own Trace Amigas, and God bless her for it. Let's make some tomato sauce as long as you're not in your period. Yeah, exactly. Um, Tracy, tell the people how to follow you. Um, I'm Tracy Morrissey on everything. Tracy with an IE. And guys, if you haven't read her New York Times piece on Race and the Real Housewives, you have to post haste as well as your incredible recap of all things BravoCon, um, which you can find on Jezebel as well as um, uh, Entertainment Weekly. Did yes. some coverage yes. there. Um, and if you want to see that picture of me, um, 
just sort of bowing in um, holy prayer with Portia Williams. Uh, Instagram at Dame Galley, Twitter at Sarah Galley. I have gotten some interesting communications, Tracy Morrissey, from um, Andy's Girls listeners. And I would just like to say, if it wasn't abundantly clear when we were recapping Dallas, that I love having housewives on the show and I want that to continue. I love the whole point of Andy's Girls is like to be to talk about experiences as a participant, as a viewer, and the connective thread through it all, which I have said probably four times in the last five minutes. But um, I love talking to these women, and I my love for the franchise is so much greater than the love for everyone as an individual, if that makes any sense. So yeah. I'm happy to have a conversation with someone whose actions I may or may not agree with because I respect their journey and yes. their bravery to be on the show. Um, and I just want Andy's Girls listeners, I so love hearing from you. And she just, I really appreciate the people that were respectful of um, their journey listening to various interviews. And if you want to be shady, I die for your shade. Just do it by sliding into my DMs. Um, <laughs> because if you want to have me continue talking to the Real Housewives and various other Bravo celebrities, we want to make sure that they feel like it is a safe space, which it absolutely is. And also, um, I got a DM from an AG listener last night that was very personal. And that is all I'm going to say. Okay. But. A personal insult? Nope. Okay. A personal communication. Is it a nude? Did these give you Kinda. a Kind of. <laughs> and I couldn't open it. So I DM them and I was like, hey, this doesn't open because I I read everything. I try to respond to everybody. I um and I pre I love, love, love hearing from people because you guys, it's like we're all best friends. We're all in this journey together. And I couldn't open it and then realized this morning that they hadn't responded. And you know, like if you don't open something, it stays as like the message in your inbox. And mm -hmm. it was making me, it was driving me insane that yeah. I couldn't open it and it kept saying new message. And I was able to open it this morning and it was surprising to me. Wow. And I do not think that that person was in full control of their faculties when they sent it. And P.S. they have not. So, yeah, they didn't respond in any way to clear it up. And frankly, I don't even think a response is necessary. And I don't know <laughs> what else to say. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if it's a badge of honor. <laughs> That like this is like the next generation or whatever. I was surprised by it, but um, <laughs> I love all of you. But let's just say that everyone's openness <laughs> comes in all forms. <laughs> so guys, maybe don't do that. But I um, would love nudes. I uh, so send the nudes to Tracy <laughs> and send your open, honest layered bared feelings <laughs> to me bear it all to me emotionally and send Tracy whatever and we have to take a selfie after because this fucking sweatshirt I'm stealing from you <laughs> holy shit don't tell Stassi and Kristen but I am physically taking it and I'm not giving it back maybe that's what they were referring to maybe they just had a glimpse into the future they were reading the tea leaves um this was a 17 hour episode 100 episode hour episode situation 1700 yada yada making full use of sentences this is amazing <laughs> um we you need to come back because we need to like break down more about these franchises I feel like you gave so much tea it's gonna last forever I'll bring my sister next time 
Oh my God, please bring your sister and or just the fucking list of diagnoses because I would love yeah. to break all of those down. That would be uh, yeah. the clinical assessment special episode of um, Andrew's Girls is something I look forward to. Great. Um, guys, tell us your thoughts and feels. Um, my God, so much was said. <laughs> <laughs> and this was a genuine two-hour full episode. Holy wow. fucking shit. Um, you were great. You were amazing. Um, and guys, we will talk to you again soon. Uh, bye bye.